This is The Think Tank with Dr. Michael Neal, talking about the major political, economic, and social issues of the week. The Think Tank, KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. Okay, one guest this week, uh, Arizona Republic columnist Bob Robb, who is also an, uh, a dwindling uh, number of people remember this one-time political operative, mm-hmm. uh, long-time ob- observer of politics, both national and statewide. I want to engage you in a conversation with what I, I think is the the biggest question that we face as a people. We are just abound in conspiracy theories uh, polls show us that there is massive distrust, not only of government, but also business, the medical profession, science, you name it. Everything is believed by a whole lot of people to be some sort of a conspiracy theories. Uh, there's a, I ran across also one of these international ratings of democracies uh, we weren't in the top 50. Obviously, there's subjective components of that, but we're slipping in a lot. So the question to you is, how do we maintain a democracy in light of all of this? Well, I think we certainly have uh, gone through um, since the uh, 2020 election uh, one of the um, sharpest and most disturbing uh, threats to democratic governance um, that we've seen in this country for several decades. Um, I believe and have written that uh, Donald Trump attempted a coup uh, to overturn the legitimate results of the 2020 election. And a late, large segment, particularly here in Arizona, of Republican officeholders uh, and um, officials uh, not only didn't condemn that, uh, they were willing participants in it. Um, so I do believe that we have seen from one of the major parties uh, a fairly uh, disturbing um, unwillingness uh, to abide by democratic governance. Now, on the other hand, uh, our institutions withheld that massive shock by a president of the United States attempting to uh, – overcome and reverse uh, the results of uh, the legitimate results of an election. Uh, And against that shock, our institutions held together. Uh, And we did have a peaceful transfer of uh, authority. uh, And the person who was legitimately elected uh, took office. Uh, Our courts rejected uh, every challenge to the integrity of the election that was mounted, including by many judges appointed by um, Republican presidents. Including Donald Trump. Including judges appointed by by Donald Trump. Uh, We now sort of have the aftershock of that. And I think we've had an extreme reaction on both sides. Democrats have overreacted in uh, their attempt to try to federalize our elections. You've got all sorts of um, nutty um, ideas coming forth uh, for election reform uh, by Republicans. I'm fairly confident that those won't pass the Arizona legislature uh, and nothing which uh, makes it materially harder to vote uh, or jeopardize the, ac- the accuracy of the count 
uh, will be enacted, will even get through the legislature. And if it did, um, another um, safeguard, guardrail that we have here in Arizona, it would be referred. Uh, and when you have uh, 80 to 90 percent of Arizona voters voting by mail, um, if that ever got through the legislature and that got was, referred. That was on the list, eliminate all. Yeah. <laughs> Let me read, since you mentioned sure. it. Sure. Uh, House Bill 2596, among other things, uh, allows the legislature to reject the results of a state election and order a new one, limit all voting to Election Day, requiring all votes be in person. Here's one that I laughed about. Mandating that official counts, officials count all ballots by hand within 24 hours. I wondered what would happen if they mandated that I should be able to dunk a basketball. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the legislature to call itself into session to review the ballot process to accept or reject them. Uh, I will be surprised yeah. if that bill even passes a committee, mm -hmm. uh, e even with the composition of the Arizona legislature. Because it, you only need one Republican to object um, anywhere in the process. Right. And, 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 and I, I don't think – I mean there was a handful of sponsors of that particular mm -hmm. bill. Uh, it has gotten a lot of attention and, and understandably so. It, it represents mm -hmm. the attitude – of a certain fraction of um, – and, and not an inconsiderable fraction of Republican lawmakers uh, in the legislature. So I, 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 I don't I, – I don't I, think this is something that the media is inflating. But it isn't yeah. going to pass. Well, I got, I got a call from a New York Times reporter yesterday saying, is this <laughs> – asking exactly that. Uh, and, and I said, I sure don't think so. I think this is pretty so, so far out there. It, in – in a long-winded <laughs> – or a summary of a long-winded preoration, um, I believe our institutions are strong enough to survive uh, what we're currently going through. And I do believe um, the Trump phenomenon is unique to Trump, mm -hmm. uh, that no other American politician could pull off the coalition that he has and to – do what Trump has done, which is to transform what used to be an issue-oriented populist right mm -hmm. into a personal loyalty to a single political mm -hmm. figure. That's not naturally where the populist right comes from. And I don't think any other American politician has the ability to pull that off. That's, so, that's an interesting question. Is is it Donald Trump only? Clearly, he he didn't create all of this, the sense of conspiracy and things like that. Uh, some of that, I think, had to be there. Well, well, well the populist uh, right and, and what Trump did was to adopt the Buchanan platform uh, in terms of immigration, mm -hmm. foreign alliances, um, protectionism uh, in trade. Uh, and two, two of which are interesting in that they violated sort of elite Republican doctrine, well, and which was free trade and uh, and uh, and uh, aggressive foreign policy, right? And and conventional conservative yeah. thinking. Yeah. You don't even have to go to the, the elite level. Um, Buchananism has, had always been about a third of the Republican electorate. Mm -hmm. um, that's about what. J.D. Hayworth got against John McCain. It's about what Kelly Ward got against John McCain. It's what what Buchanan got when mm -hmm. when he when he ran. Uh, and Trump um, made that the majority view within 
the Republican Party. And some of that will linger. You, you do have among um, the populist right in, con- in Congress uh, people who aren't necessarily loyal to Trump uh, who now are doubting uh, the uh, f- the fairness uh, of market forces and, and are more open than conservatives traditionally have been uh, to government interventions to, to make it fairer. There is – uh, among Republicans, a distrust of foreign trade that didn't uh, used to be there. So there will be some issue lingering. But the ability to get people to suspend reason uh, and to abandon their issues and exchange it for personal loyalty and to say mm-hmm. – the test of a politician isn't the extent to which they adhere to these beliefs that we hold deeply, uh, but whether they're loyal uh, to a particular man and willing when he spins nonsense uh, to uh, echo it. That, I think, will pass. Uh, and I think our politics will be in a healthier place, um, whether it will pass in the 2022 election or the or the 2024 election, I'm not sure. I think that uh, Youngkin in Virginia showed the path out. Which is kind of uh, endorsed kind of at a global level, Trump, but but keep him personally at a distance. Not not be in opposition to Trump the Mm -hmm. way that Jeff Flake was, but to be independent of him Mm -hmm. uh, and to focus on state issues. He Mm -hmm. ran on education and crime, not stopping the border or, or... or yeah, the, there was the, a little, little there was a little nonsense there about uh, stop uh, uh, the uh, uh, what the the uh, black uh, help me here. Uh, uh, I'm, oh, I'm, oh, oh, so some of the curriculum, yeah, th- yeah, yeah. things. There things really that, wasn't that the curriculum, was but it's, it's it was turned into a boogeyman and has been. Well, know, I I think the extent to which he did that was overemphasized mm-hmm. uh, and. Uh, certainly, it wasn't what was his path to victory. His path, path of victory. Critical was race run. theory was the phrase uh, I was right. my brain was freezing on. But um, we'll be back in just a moment. We've, we're over half for the half hour, so we'll be back with Bob Robb in just a moment. The Think Tank, KTAR News on ninety two three FM and KTAR dot com. We're talking here to Bob Robb about our politics and the state of our country. Uh, we were talking about kind of the post-Trump at some point happens. But question for you, just in the moment, I, th- I think most of us have observed that most of these politicians privately, Republic, I'm talking about Republican elected office holders, are not the, the Trumpist that they would purport to be, that they're, that they're driven by fear and self-preservation. Well, and ambition. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, yeah. the, the belief is that the Trumpian path is the way that you win a Republican primary. Mm-hmm. And, and, and what's interesting um, and, and distressing to mm-hmm. me is that, uh, as we were discussing, Youngkin identified a way to proceed mm-hmm. it, where, where you don't repudiate Trump. Uh, you, main, you create an independent 
political persona from Trump and concentrate on uh, the state issues or the federal issues. Very delicate, delicate dance there. Uh, It is. But there's not a single Republican candidate for governor or U.S. Senate who is following the Youngkin formula. You're talking about in this state. In in, yeah. in Arizona. They, they are, to a man and a woman, um, trying to compete in uh, the Trump lane. And uh, Trump is a failed political force in Arizona uh, and, and was a weak force even in 2016 mm-hmm. when he ran roughly six percentage points behind uh, what Mitt Romney had done in, in Arizona. Does that suggest to you a, a real Democratic opportunity, even in what purports to be a very Republican year coming up? Uh, I, I do believe that Democrats have a good chance in Arizona to buck uh, what in a pre-Trump or a post-Trump uh, Republican mm-hmm. Party uh, would be a very big uh, Republican year, particularly here in Arizona. Particularly, I think the statewide offices. Rather, For, would, well, I don't want to talk about. We'll we'll talk about congressional later on. But. Well, well, and I think they've got a chance to pick yeah. up some congressional mm-hmm. seats. Yeah. Um, but if they run Trumpian candidates, um, I think that gives Democrats a shot. Now, Trump's not going to be on the ticket. He was a massive turnout force for both mm-hmm. Republicans and Democrats. Uh, whether he will be as much of a force, turnout force for Democrats if he's not actually on the ticket, mm-hmm. I don't know. But uh, Republicans are inviting that uh, by uh, making uh, the illegitimacy of the, the alleged illegitimacy of the 2020 election a, a, a central feature uh, of what they're running on in 2022, as well as running. Trumpian style and on Trumpian issues. That's where I think it's destructive um, to the to the democratic system is that uh, I can't think of a case before where where the legitimacy of an election had been so consistently repudiated. There may I, have been I, I, you go back in history. There's a few cases of oh this race or that race, but they're kind of rejecting the whole system. Well, they're selective. They're, we're recounting the, we recounted the Trump votes. We recounted the Senate votes. I think a little, but we ignored all the ones, the, all the other ones that the Republicans basically swept <laughs> in this state. Somehow those were legitimate. Yeah. So interesting. You say you don't think this survives Donald Trump personally. I don't think the extent to which it dominates politics uh, survives Donald Trump because I don't think, as I've said, that anyone else has the capability of taking what historically has been a very issue-oriented populist right Mm -hmm. and a minority within the Republican Party Mm -hmm. and uh, transfer uh, what's become personal loyalty to Trump to whoever the Trump heir is. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think you'll go back to the populist right, holding people to account for what they do on their issues, uh, not requiring every other politician or measure any other, all other politicians by their loyalty to whoever the Trump heir is. I think he had a unique ability um, to make that transference uh, and I don't think anyone else will. So I, I, I do believe there's lingering power in the populist right agenda that's stronger than it used to be. Uh, but I don't think the personal loyalty test uh, will remain 
part of party politics. Assume that happens. What happens to Republican doctrine in two areas? One one is uh, free trade and the other is foreign policy. Well, and, and there's a broader question as to whether the Republican Party is still a party of um, free markets uh, and uh, fiscal discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I do believe that the identity of the Republican Party is up for grabs, and I don't know that it will resettle uh, where the uh, Reagan consensus uh, was. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that leaves a lot of people – um, myself included, mm-hmm. is without a natural uh, political home. So I, I, I believe that the, that the Republican Party post-Trump uh, will be in the process of redefining itself. I don't think there will be an automatic reversion uh, to uh, the Reagan mm-hmm. consensus. Um, and that, that will be a far more productive political debate uh, than what we've got now, which is are you willing to echo Trump's claim that the 2020 election was stolen. Well, in particular, one of the areas is foreign policy, where where Trump has, other than moments of like personal peak, seems to have been he's instinctively more isolationist, except when he you know felt yeah. like his manhood was being challenged. Yeah, I I reject um, the characterization of it as isolationism because uh, I mean I share. That particular perspective of of Trump's, um, I prefer what the Cato Institute has uh, labeled strategic independence. You're engaged with the rest of the world, um, but in ways that are more narrowly tailored uh, to uh, true actionable U.S. interests, as opposed to uh, bilater- multilateral actions, as opposed to multilateral actions or. Um, the U.S. Um, trying to control events every place, even where we have very limited, true actionable interests. Back with Bob Robb in the Think Tank in just a moment. The Think Tank, KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. We're back with Bob Robb discussing multiple things in our politics. We're going to move from the macro to the kind of micro down in, down in the weeds. Uh, we've gone through uh, what appears to be a final uh, decision on redistricting subject to somebody suing somebody, which can always happen and probably will, but probably goes nowhere. I want to talk first about the Arizona legislature currently uh, in our current legislature, the Republicans have about as well have as close a uh, tight majority as is possible. In other words, they require they can pass anything as long as they don't have a single defection. If they have a single defection in either house, then they're stymied. Assuming the Democrats stay together, which up to this point they have. Um, I looked at the new maps that are drawn. I see 14 safe Republican districts, uh, three leaners, 12 safe Democratic districts, maybe one leaner. Uh, it looks to me like it's uh, a little bit of a gain for Republicans. Is that the way you see it? It actually is is not. This is where I, I do have a different view than, than um, conventional wisdom, and most people mm-hmm. see it the way that you described it. Under both the old map and the new map, um, uh, 
Joe Biden won 15 of the 30 districts. Mark Kelly won 16 of the 30 districts. Um, the difference is that uh, under the old map, uh, there were only two districts in which the margin in either race was 5% or less. You're using uh, the old Biden. Map. You're using Biden and, and, and Mark Kelly okay, and, okay. and Martha McSell. I'm sorry, I didn't. Yeah, add, and I like I that better. That. The IRC used some screw like Ducey's race, which was a blowout and all that. So. Right. Um, uh, so in in uh, under the old map, there were only two districts uh, in which the the margin um, between the candidates was five percent or less. Mm-hmm. Under the new map, there are five districts uh, in which the uh, Biden uh, Trump race um, was decided by five percentage points or less. In the Kelly McSally race, there were six districts, and in those six districts, uh, the Republican took half and the Democrat took half. They split them evenly. So, to me, and what what do the other twenty four districts look like? Uh, they're solidly one way. No, but, but do you know that is it? Oh, it, well, I mean, Kelly took 16. So okay. that that would include three okay. of those swing districts. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it means that there's an upside potential in a very strong Democratic mm-hmm. year of going beyond that. So my own view is that the playing field hasn't changed all that much. It's mm-hmm. very much like the old map, except that the number of districts in which Democrats can credibly play has increased. Uh, which in in we, other words, in a very Democratic year, they have a real chance. Uh, th- I think they have a, at least 50-50. Yeah, I think they've got a slightly better chance uh, mm-hmm. to gain a majority because there's a broader playing field mm-hmm. under the new map than under the old map. Mm-hmm. But we could see it go the other way in uh, what I think I'm guessing we both agree this is going to, in general, be a big Republican year. It should be a big Republican year. I'm not sure that Republicans are in the process of ensuring that's the case by the kind of candidates that that, that they are about to mount. Ducey won 18 of the 12, mm-hmm. 18 of the 30. And that, but he won um, so, a really big. So, well, well, I think yeah, that yeah. represents the high water mark. Fair point. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think we're we're – Dealing somewhere between eighteen twelve and uh, in favor of the Republicans to potentially sixteen to seventeen um, uh, for the Democrats in mm-hmm. a, as a potential, uh, and, and and that's a better chance and a better range than I think they had under the old map. But I guess the difference being that, yeah, uh, Donald Trump lost to Joe Biden at the presidential race, where which it is easier to disassociate from partisanship. And a lot of most of us looked at it and said there's suburban, somewhat conservative women voters, Republican registered who couldn't stomach Donald Trump uh, and 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 his Senate candidate sort of McSally tied herself to him, and then they voted straight Republican in the other seats. Well, except that in that same election, there were four Democrats elected to other statewide offices, mm-hmm. superintendent of public in, in, instruction, um, secretary of state, and two corporation commission mm-hmm. races. Um, so it was a broader rejection mm-hmm. of Trump and the Republican Party uh, than just Trump. Mm-hmm. Okay, that then brings up the subject of Congress. Let me 
Let me set aside a couple of races, several races that I, I think will, I'll give you a chance to disagree with me, but I look at the new district and let's talk about these in terms of the presumed incumbent because nobody knows the numbers yet. Uh, we've got two Hispanic Democratic districts, uh, Grijalva and Gallego. Are, are sure bets. Any argument there? No. Okay. Uh, I see on the Republican side, Lesker and Gosar as sure things. I see the Biggs district as a surely Republican win, though I have heard about an independent challenge to them. Have you heard anything about that? I have not. Oh, yeah. I, that uh, I forget the guy's name, but there's discussions that they've had with the Democratic Party about not running a Democrat, and 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 to given and given given that that district will never elect a Democrat, electing a basically independent slash Republican uh, in that district. Okay, haven't heard that, but but uh, in terms of party distribution, I think we're both going to agree that that's those are three Republican seats. Uh, the fourth seat, I would say, for Republicans, the new Arizona two, currently represented by Tom O'Halloran. Do you think he has a prayer to keep a seat? Uh, I do think he's got a prayer. Um, I mean, I I view it a little bit more holistically than than um, individuals and and the the races. the 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 congressional map is a dramatic enhancement of Republican prospects uh, on the congressional level. Um, both Biden and Kelly won five of the districts. Um, so in, in there's a theoretical possibility mm-hmm. that Democrats could retain their current 5-4 majority uh, in the congressional delegation. But the old map, they managed to have five of the nine districts have a Democratic registration advantage despite – it um, does now. Did it start out that way? It did not. There was one yeah. district yeah. that was independents were the plurality. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but it was well crafted. And, and in the 2020 election, five of the nine uh, had a majority Democratic, a, a Democratic plurality uh, in five of the nine districts. Under the new map, there's only two districts in which there's a Democratic plurality. Uh, six of the districts uh, have a Republican plurality. Uh, the seventh has an independent plurality, but Republicans outnumber Democrats in it. And that would be which district? Uh, it is, I think it's four. I haven't learned the new numbers no, no, but yet. I mean, it's, 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 it's a central. Four is Schweikert's district. Yeah. Is that the... I, I think that's the one. I've, and, and by I, the way, I, when I've I refer not... to them by person, I'm not talking about where they live. I'm talking about where they're going to run. Because well, there's a whole bunch of people having to move their locations. Right. And, and, and I'm not sure that we've had all that sorting out. Uh, but it would be hard for Republicans not to pick up one or two uh, congressional seats, mm-hmm. um, in, including in the new six, uh, which is Kirkpatrick, southeastern Arizona. Right. Kirkpatrick is not running for so there's no incumbent. Uh, rated uh, according to 538, a Republican plus three district. I don't know if you happen to know the presidential vote on that. Uh, Biden carried it. Biden. Oh. And, and, and so this is an example of where if if the Republicans nominate a Trumpian candidate and mm-hmm. Kelly Townsend is running for Congress in that district, uh, if she's the candidate, I think the Democrats have a good shot to 
to capture it. And and so the Republican primaries are going to be important in terms of determining uh, whether Republicans are able to take advantage of what is a dramatically better map uh, for, for them yeah. uh, than the old map. Uh, I got two more districts. The uh, the Swikert district, uh, the, the numbers, at least the AIS, AIRC numbers show uh, a uh, that's district one, a Republic, six point plurality for Republic or six point lean. Um, I'm sorry, they, they showed 2.6 percent. 538 showed it as 6 percent. Republican lean. Do you think well, Schweikert would be in any di- any difficulty? I believe that it's all up for grabs this time around. There, there's two districts that, that, that kind of go north to south in mm-hmm. in the valley, uh, and uh, Biden uh, took one of them and didn't take the other. And I forget which. As I said, I've I've not learned the new numbers yet, uh, or located the the uh, incumbents in their particular districts. Um, but those are both uh, competitive districts. Uh, one Biden took, and one he didn't. So um, I, I don't think I don't think you could pronounce. Or You're talking about the Schweikert and the Stanton district, both. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was curious to found that uh, five thirty eight had the Stanton district as dead even. Which I think most of us here have said no. That's that Stanton still has a has a uh, an edge there. Well, well, certainly he does not have the edge that the current district has become. He's lost. That's uh, been one of the few cases where the Republicans are, are the incumbent Republican is looking at a less favorable, or or the incumbent Democrat is. Stan, I'm so, I meant I was referring to Schweikert. Oh, Schweikert's district yes, is, is yes, more competitive yes. than the, his current and, and district. And so and so is Stanton's. Yeah. Is more competitive. The odd thing there is here's a former mayor of Phoenix, now almost completely, except for Awatuki, almost completely moved outside of Phoenix. <laughs> had he tried to stay in Phoenix, you know, he's one. I think one of the people who had to jockey. Though he, I, though he used to live in Awatuki, but I don't think currently lives inside the. But you know, everybody's know. moving. But but it, I, I think it, it it has been set where people move. It, 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 you look at districts that are logical fits, and you can kind of see where people move, and it's not necessarily uh, where they're living right now. We'll return with Bob Robb in just a moment in the final discussion in the think tank. The Think Tank, KTAR News on ninety two three FM and KTAR.com. We're back with Bob Robb. Nobody better to talk Arizona politics with. Uh, we we sort of went through the kind of I forced you through the kind of the micro of the uh, of of the congressional districts. Uh, your your summary that I understood is this is a much more Republican map and that they should look to gain. You said one or two seats. It looks it looks to me more like two than one. Well, and and do see one. Um seven of of the nine seats mm-hmm. so the upside potential that's, that's for, okay. for republicans okay. is huge and uh you you did it did you have the count on how the president went on the on the nine districts uh both biden and kelly won five of the nine okay so they're that's they're, the that's they're, the democratic yeah that's the uh, hope yeah. so so five the, the dem- in a good Democratic year, they would have a chance of maintaining their five to four. Correct. That's, and and that's pr- that's probably their upper limit. I would concur. And uh, the Republicans could go seven. 
that would be that would be a kind of the sweep. Yep. So, um, all right. The other other thing that is just uh, huge in our recent politics is what on earth is going on with uh, Kirsten Cinema? And uh, I look at this and I wonder, can she win a Democratic primary right now? Which assumes she would run in a Democratic primary, which I'm not entirely convinced of. Well, I, I have um, written two columns um, observing and in part advocating that uh, she uh, re-register independent and announce that she will run for re-election as an independent. Uh, she is extremely vulnerable in her Democratic primary. And certainly if she was up in 2022 – uh, you would have to say she has virtually no chance of surviving a Democratic primary. Uh, there's obviously a lot of political territory between now and 2024 when she will actually be up. I'm sure that she will be a staunch supporter of um, Biden's uh, nominee to the U.S. Supreme Court um, that will be upcoming. So there's the, the whole political landscape could change. Um, but uh, she will remain – she'll have a miserable three years because she will remain vulnerable to the primary uh, challenge threat for the entire time. If she were to announce that she was re-registering as an uh, independent, was going to run for re-election as an independent, was going to continue to caucus with the Democrats, um, she would render – worthless the democratic nomination in 2024 because a democrat is not going to win a three-way race not going to gain a popularity uh with uh in a three-way race uh and so i don't think you would get anyone of consequence that would actually become the democratic nominee which means she would be the center the, the center left most candidate are the leftmost candidate that would have a realistic chance to win and someone who would continue to caucus with the Democrats. So I think she could influence kind of the pragmatic Democratic establishment in that race. And if she was running against a Bernie Sanders Democrat and a Donald Trump Republican, I think she would have a legitimate shot to win as an independent mm -hmm. in Arizona. And that would do monumentally good things for the centrist bipartisan governance that she's chosen to, to champion uh, and for which the Democrats are seeking to punish her, even though that's exactly the way she told Arizonans she would govern. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the question is uh, the, the current furor in the establishment of the Democratic Party towards her, would would they – would they sit on their hands on that one? Well, I think okay. that there would be a split. Mm -hmm. You would have the progressives mm -hmm. uh, who would support whoever mm -hmm. came out of the Democratic uh, primary. Uh, but then you would have sort of the pragmatic element of the Democratic Party. We need the seat. We, we need the seat. Mm -hmm. She's pledged to she, – she'll continue to caucus with the Democrats. That, that gives us a vote for majority control. Mm -hmm. Um, and she's the most left candidate that actually has a chance to win in a in a three way race. So I think it will it would split the Democratic Party uh, rather than being unified against her, which is what currently 
seems to be the case. But the other aspect of that scenario is it requires a Trumpian Republican, which seems to be what you're likely to get. If you look or certainly if you look at it today, uh, that's a all of the uh, Republican candidates for for governor are trying to grab that mantle, some more credibly than others. And all the candidates for U.S. Senate as well. Yeah. Uh, uh, as a fellow uh, in our newsroom has said, the difference is that the rest of them are trying to, uh, you know, be like Donald Trump. And one of them, Carrie Lake, is Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, 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 but she's a newbie, uh, Donald Trump. She, yeah. she doesn't have a history of being a Donald Trump. But then, again, Donald Trump didn't have a history he, of he being was, a Donald He was very Trump. recently a Democrat. But yeah, yeah, that's, that, that doesn't seem to matter. Ronald Reagan was a Democrat. That didn't seem to matter. Um, now, that scenario could also be applied to a presidential race. Much as more, an independent, yeah, m- much more difficult um, to uh, get on um, the ballot uh, as an independent in sufficient uh, states. Michael Bloomberg looked at it as closely as one could possibly look at it, and probably as expensively <laughs> as anyone could possibly look at it, and concluded that it was an impossible path, which is why he ran in the Democratic primary. Was it it's getting a, on the ballot or, or that, that he couldn't carve out a sufficient constituency? I think it was mostly the difficulty of getting on the ballot. Because Perot managed to do that. He, he he did, and he was a spoiler. Yeah. Uh, Bloomberg, oh, yeah. I'm, Bloom, I'm talking Bloom, about getting on the ballot. Yeah, Bloomberg yeah. didn't want to be a spoiler. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, I'm i not sure Perot got on all the states, but maybe he did. It was, um, if it not 50, it, it was 49 or 48. Yeah. Or it, was, okay. it was almost everything. Well, it's a daunting task yes. to get on the ballot as an independent in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we are not uh, friendly uh, to that. Uh, path, which is interesting, Cinema, given the almost plurality of independents in the state. Yes, and, and it, but Cinema would have the resources and the organization to do it. She's she's one candidate that could overcome that uh, and get on the ballot. I, I I do think that our two party system has outlived its um, usefulness and benefit uh, to um, the uh, body politic. Uh, but it's institutionalized. I, 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 I can see that as a, a conceptual statement, but as a practical matter, how do you how do you break out of that? Well, I've become we I've, I've become a strong advocate of a uh, truly nonpartisan uh, top two primary system. Um, so one could could solve that for state and local office and for federal office here in Arizona. Far more difficult to do uh, at the presidential level um, because you're you're in essence in Arizona we're paying for uh, the two parties to choose their nominee. There there really there is a, a way for an independent to get on the ballot, um, but um, if you look at that nationally, uh, it's it's just a hard thing to do. It's an interesting historical anomaly because if you read the, the Federalist Papers and the Constitution, it is clear that they did not, the Founding Fathers did not envision parties, which took about eight years yeah, of our history. Once we got past George Washington, we, we were foisted with parties that the Founding Fathers never expected. We are out of time. 
I, I hope you come back sometime. This sure. was this was great fun. Bob Rob, uh, one of the most astute political observers in the state. Uh, this is the Think Tank. You can reach me at mikeoneal.org. Uh, that's an access gateway point to uh, to uh, social media, email, or whatever whatever the various means of reaching me are these days. Uh, see you next week in the Think Tank.